the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Hello and welcome to the Worldview Media Podcast, Episode 7. This is the podcast where we review popular media through the lens of the five-point biblical covenant in an effort to discern the worldview that's being preached to us, even in uh, programs and movies that seem to be pretty frivolous, but they all actually do have... uh, They're saying something. Yeah, they're always preaching something. And so, uh, joining us by phone this evening is a girl who has never been this crevice in my arm. (laughs) It's Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Did you forget that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was hoping. And in studio with me, the woman who has heard it both ways, my <laughs> wife, Joyce. That's right. 100%. <laughs> 100%. That's not a psych thing, though. That's just our thing. <laughs> it's just a crazy thing. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about, we're taking a little bit of a departure from what we've done the last half a dozen weeks. Uh, seems like we've been doing this for a long time, but it's really only a month and a half worth of episodes. Hmm. And, uh, so we're departing a little bit. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but, uh, we're departing a little bit and we're talking about a television series and not a movie. And the series that we're looking at is, well, psych, psych. <laughs> right, and so we're looking at Psych, which aired on the USA Network mm-hmm. several years ago, finished up, and uh, is now available on Netflix. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this was one of our family's favorites. Yeah, I think we, watch. we all enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. I think even Reagan, who doesn't watch TV, <laughs> right, right. doesn't watch much of anything. Yeah. I think that's right. And so we're going to talk about psych. Now, uh, I guess our thought was that talking about a whole series, we might be tempted to kind of stray far afield and and it would be like a shotgun blast. And so we tried to discipline ourselves to just limit... uh, limit our examples to one episode. So the episode we're looking at is episode two of season two, and it's called 65 Million Years Off. Do you remember this episode, Jordan? You just watched it, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, so this episode... Well, now do we want to talk about the premise of what's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead and explain the premise, Mom. Well, there's this younger kid who is really very gifted in catching a lot of details, I would say. 
He's very observant. Yeah, he's very observant. His dad kind of trained him in that when he right. was younger. His dad was a detective, worked for the police department, and so there's this kid, and he's just kind of he's kind of a goofball. Right. You know, he's never really done yeah. a lot of things seriously. Uh, drives his dad crazy that he's just kind of floating yeah. around and seemingly getting nowhere. But he um, he terms himself as a psychic and goes in and helps. He, yeah, he bills himself as a psychic, but he's he's faking. Yeah, he's not really a psychic. He's psyching everyone out. Yeah, hence yeah, psych. Hence the name. So, and he's yeah. got a real good friend named Gus, and uh, their relationship's a little ridiculous. They've been friends since the beginning of time. Yeah, right. And um, yep. uh, so it's just stories of interactions between him and the police department where they're, they've got a detective Lassiter who's kind of a... A straight stick in the raised, mud. Straight yeah. Laced. yeah. <laughs> He's a straight arrow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jules, his partner, who's just a young, pretty thing. And uh, the captain, who's uh, the chief. The chief, yes, the chief. And she's just kind of, what would you say, Jordan? Uh, she's uh, a policy wonk, uh, administrator. Yeah, pretty, pretty by the book, I guess. Yeah. Tries? She tries to be by the book. Now, Lester, he's he's not just straight arrow. He's over the top, straight arrow. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He's a, uh, a bit of a caricature all by himself. Yeah. But the premise is then that uh, the way Sean is gonna make money is he's gonna be, he's gonna get himself hired by the Santa Barbara Police Department as a consultant yes. on murder cases. Various and, cases. Missing persons and stuff yeah. like that. Whatever they can't solve. Right. And so the whole running gag is that he's pretending to be psychic when he's really just very observant. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he really plays that up quite a bit. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where a lot of the comedy comes in. Just his ridiculous uh, pretending to be psychic and Gus going along with him. Yeah. So there's your premise. When we start talking about transcendence, as we think about the whole series, does anything occur to you? What is transcendent in the psych universe? Well, having it be a, you know, kind of a police mystery show, right? it would seem like it should be the law. You would right. think it might be the law, <laughs> right. Then Sean... Is always kind of breaking the law, <laughs> right? Like, yes. Pretending right. to be a psychic, and then like, and even how he goes into places without jurisdiction to do his like illegal searches before the police show up and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. So it's not really the law. <laughs> right. You might think in a detective show, especially one that involved the police, then you might think the government would come close to being the transcendent power, but. Really, it's not, is it? Yeah. In psych, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I almost hate <laughs> to say it, but it, it's almost like it's Sean. Yeah. That, that Sean gets to decide what's really right and wrong. And yeah. He breaks the rules as he needs All to. The time. And, yeah. And, uh, the ends kind of justify the means. And yeah. That's probably jumping ahead. I think that's probably a good statement of the ethical system in place most of the time is the ends justify the means. 
But, yeah, I'd agree with that. And The other thing I was thinking, uh, it being a show about a fake psychic, there are a lot of episodes where they kind of, uh, you know, they're faking spirituality and they're faking uh, messages from the other world and, and stuff like that. And, uh, but really, I think, at least from, if, if we go with the idea that Sean represents transcendence, or the the thing closest to transcendence, then his uh, his faking of the of the revelation that he claims to be receiving uh, really kind of points to the fact that he's really a materialist, and and throughout the show he really doesn't believe in spirits and stuff like that. Right. He, uh, at least when he's had time to think about it, there are times he can get scared when he thinks it might be a ghost or yeah something like that. But uh, generally speaking, I think he Sean operates on the assumption that they live in a material world that uh, everything can be explained. Yeah, which is pretty close to the popular culture around us, and and I kind of think too popular culture doesn't give much conscious thought to transcendence and and most people walking around even those that claim to be christian are kind of uh subconsciously uh operating as if they live in a purely materialistic world that's some of my thought there do you have anything else on transcendence jordan the only thing really that i can think of is that not in this particular episode, but, like, in later episodes, even though I kind of do agree that, like, Sean is basically the one deciding what's right and what's wrong, like, when he does eventually get found out by, like, certain people, like, they get mad at him, and he's obviously done something wrong, even though, oh, like, yeah. before he had decided that this wasn't wrong, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, I think I was going to talk about that a little bit later in, in terms of sanctions and stuff, but but I think you, you have hit on something there, so we'll we'll skip on, I guess. Oh, oh the, the other thing that I wanted to mention, transcendence-wise, is a lot of people kind of complain about TV and the movies that people of faith, and Christians in particular, are never portrayed like normal people and they're always crazy or yeah. or uh not deviant or yeah. something and uh and really that's not true in psych they've got some recurring dealings with uh at least one catholic priest and maybe nuns at certain times or yeah. something and well i think even gus yeah, and gus and his yeah, family have beliefs and right you know. and they go to church at, at yeah. a couple of different times and and it's always done respectfully, and uh, they kind of buck that popular trend. You know, people that are devout religiously are not Stupid. mocked for yeah. that at all. And in fact, uh, Gus kind of represents that a little bit in uh, in terms of you know throughout the series, his character is respectful toward Christianity and toward the Bible specifically, and you know, kind of gets after Sean for not being yeah. quite as much that way, you know. Right. Being disrespectful. They're right, right. Yeah. Or not, just not caring very much, yeah. you know. Sean, don't tell me you've never read the Bible. <laughs> you yeah. <know>. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so I was thinking about then after transcendence about representation or hierarchy and who represents that transcendent power. And what kind of occurs to me a lot of the time in fiction when transcendence isn't specifically talked about very often, uh, generally generally the author's ideas about transcendence can kind of be discerned by looking at the hero or the main character. You know, what does the hero believe? And a lot of the time those things kind of mimic the views of the author. That's not a hard and fast rule. Sometimes that's sometimes that's a little bit different. And let me suggest this to you. If if uh if we do that, it kind of seems to me like I didn't notice it while the while the series was running, but as we watched this last episode and and thought specifically about it in terms of worldview, it occurs to me that maybe maybe Sean and Gus are a modern day Sherlock Holmes and Doctor Watson, and uh, oh yeah, and in that case, Doctor Watson. <laughs> more than Sherlock Holmes represented the the worldview. Sherlock Holmes was kind of the... Uh, he was the, a weirdo. Right, he was the sore thumb sticking out who didn't really belong. And and uh, I kind of wonder if maybe that's not the same way in Psych, where Gus is really more representative of regular people. and. <laughs> well, and, he's definitely much more normal. Right, Sean. right, sure. <laughs> So, I guess I'm not sure, does Sean represent the closest thing to transcendence, or does he represent a deviation from it? And uh, in which case, if Gus is more representative of transcendence here, then that transcendent power would be what Mom was saying at the first. You would think in a murder mystery that the civil authorities would be the closest thing to the highest power you know yeah and uh so that was just interesting to think about there but even in that relationship between sean and gus you know gus knows everything that's up he knows that sean's putting on an act oh and yeah he, sure he's absolutely aware that he's kind of a his crazy friend that just catches a lot of stuff but uh he's still you know he's still there by his side and kind of going along right, with right. the act and you know, even in this episode when he was opening up the shed, <laughs> right. you know, and Gus was the one who did it, but Sean was going to be the one who took credit for it. Right. And he's like, give me the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, Sean and Gus, they, Gus goes along and supports him and all this devious, the deception of him being a psychic. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Kind of grudgingly sometimes, but he does go. Yeah. Well, he's his friend and he supports him. Yeah, Ultimately. yeah, and in I was lots like, of ways. <laughs> yeah, part of what I did in in preparation for talking about this is I went on a went on a site where fans were talking back and forth about psych and and you know they were pointing out that a lot of people have the opinion that at bottom it's really not so much a murder mystery as it is the story of two friends and and their friendship and stuff, but yeah. 
Yeah. Part of me kind of rejects that, and and I'll <laughs> I'll come to that in under the ethics thing. If you think we're ready to go there, I guess maybe if the civil authority represents a transcendent power, then uh, doesn't it have to be Lassiter, or is it Jules? Uh, I think if we were going to say that it was the cops, then I would kind of think it was the chief myself. Oh, okay. Because she is sort of like uh, the balance between the two, uh, Lassie and Jules. Okay. Because she like, she's willing to like accept help from Sean and like seek out his help if she feels like you know, what we're really lost and stuff, but then she also really does care about, like, procedure and policy. Right, right. Did you drop your phone? Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, there you go. (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk about ethics. I guess the thing that I've been wanting to say that's kind of burning a hole in me is is, uh, the more I thought about it, I think that Sean is really a bad guy. You know, he treats Gus horribly. He's a stinker. Yeah. And his whole life is about just dealing with what's going to work for him. Or At the time. Right. He's really very lazy and and uh, and noncommittal and apathetic toward just about everything. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he's almost as bad a guy as, like, Jerry Seinfeld or George Costanza, <laughs> you know. Yeah. In the in the Seinfeld series, all four of the main characters are just—I mean—they're clinical narcissists. Really, they're they're bad people. They sink to huge depths or, or very low depths in yeah. order to. I mean, it's funny when they do, but when you think about anybody in real life who did what they do, they would go to jail, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. uh so it's just gotten me as I thought about it that Sean's horrible to Gus, you know. He can be very bad to him. Well, well, I was reading about one episode where, you know, he does that classic line, Gus, don't be this or that. Yeah. Gus, don't be Nicolas Cage's accent in Con Air or something. And at one time he said, Gus... Don't be the jury summons of yours that I threw away a couple of months ago, along with something called a W-2. You know, and and I don't doubt that he did that. I don't doubt that he threw away Gus's W-2, you know. Well, Sean doesn't know what that is. He doesn't work. (laughs) Right. Everybody's terrible. And then, like you pointed out, I think you were right, that... Then when it comes to doing the one thing that he has some kind of passion about or that he's interested in, uh, there's no rule that will stand in his way of of trying to do what he wants to do there. You know? Well, and, and all that elevates himself, too. It's not just about solving the case. Right. You know, it's solving it in a way that makes him better, look better. Right. So he'll get a bunch of credit. Right. So uh, for me, that's a big deal in the series, just... It seems to be just whatever's convenient in the moment. That's what that's what Sean does, and then Gus lets him get away with it. For the most part, yeah. I think every now and then Gus says, "Okay, I don't think so." Yeah, he gets mad. We're not going to do this, right? But we could do this, <laughs> right? And it, I guess it is kind of a surprising ethical thing to me that by the time the show ends, there's a lot of people who know that 
it's all a fake. Yeah. And, and, but the woman that Sean loves is not one of the ones that knows. And, uh, it's kind of surprising to me that, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe he just felt like if he let the cat out of the bag with jewels that it would put her in a bad spot being a police officer and now how's she going to deal with this guy knowing what the truth is about him and stuff. So I thought that was an interesting moral crisis and it, and it did play out over the whole series. Yeah. Well then, but you have to look at then their whole relationship was based on lies. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that's, something you got to give pause and say, well, do I really know who this person is if this is what's been going on? And so I can see his hesitation as <laughs> her wanting to find anything out. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just that she found out. He did at some point realize we can't have a real relationship without her knowing the truth. And, and so right. he, he does finally come clean with her at the end. All right, so... Under, are we ready to move on to point four, sanctions? Okay. Okay, under sanctions, I think generally speaking, the bad guys always get what's coming to them. Yeah. The one, uh, it wasn't in this episode, but kind of the one exception that kind of sticks out in my mind is Despero. Yeah. And, Right. And I guess I ended the series not really sure whether he was a bad guy or a good guy. And yeah, it's so confusing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was on purpose, but yeah. that was part of the gimmick of his character. But, yeah, I'm not sure he got what he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did he deserve? I don't know. Well, what did... Yeah, I, I kind of... <laughs> But then I kind of think about Gus, too. Gus is a sympathetic character. He's one of the co-main characters, and he's kind of spent his whole life in the series trying to balance out Sean and keep some kind of rein on him and, mm -hmm. and keep him within the boundaries of decency. And I'm not sure what he got for that at the end, you know? Yeah. And in the... In every series, he never really got rewarded very much. Yeah, it just seems like he kind of gets more of the same, you know? Right, he gets in trouble at his real job and stuff. and <laughs> You know, he loses his job here and there and gets accused of murder at his real job. <laughs> All these other things. Just because he's mixed up with this basically lunatic guy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I forgot about get, the one. He didn't win the spelling bee that one time. <laughs> yeah, poor Yeah, so I felt bad for him, but you know that is kind of the materialistic worldview, though. If uh, if you don't believe there's a personal transcendent power making sure that things even out at the end, uh, then what happens to people really is just kind of matter of randomness and. A whole lot of folks believe that in our culture, you know, that good things just kind of happen and bad things just kind of happen. And Well, they believe that until something bad happens to them, really. <laughs> and well, then it's all, 
oh, well, where's God when all this bad stuff happens? Well, I think that's an extension of it, though. I mean, when the bad things happen to you, if you're if you're upset about that, then then doesn't that kind of point to an underlying belief that uh, this didn't happen the way it was supposed to? Or uh, I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, I see what you're saying is that everybody wants to says this is random and things just happen and there's real no there's no real control or there's no real you know, it's just you toss it up in the air and how it lands is it's right. random. Nobody yeah. knows anything. But then when something really bad happens, well then that's no longer the case these things can't be random there oh. has to be someone who's let the ball drop so to speak oh, and right, so right. that's why this bad stuff has happened and so you you know it's kind of a disconnect because you can't have it both ways right if everything's just that's what I was whatever to say. then you can't get upset that when that whatever goes bad when it right. goes really bad you can't say well somebody who's in charge here <laughs> <laughs> right when you say well nobody's in charge here Exactly. And there is a there is a philosophy within Christianity. You know, I'm a post-millennialist and I believe Christ's kingdom will be victorious in time and history. But uh there's a large segment of the reformed church that is amillennial and uh and there's a a large number of amillennialists who really kind of believe that in in this age that we live in uh, there's no real connection between sanctions poured out in time and history and the actions of the people on whom they are poured out. Mm. So, so that all millennialists can can kind of be in the same place of believing that good things happen and, and we can't really say why they happen or bad things happen and, and it's wrong for us to try to figure out what we did to deserve that or or anything like that. So... There is a strain of amillennialism that really divorces sanctions in time and history from ethics. And I just feel like uh, that's dualism, and it, and it frankly kind of mirrors a materialistic mindset, which says, it doesn't really matter how I act, it's just these good things and bad things are just kind of random. But someone with that viewpoint, so then how do they deal with, with Scripture? I mean, you don't have to be just in the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, where there's consequences, don't do this, don't do that, because these are bad things, then how do they relate to that to uh, to themselves? I mean, wh what are these people doing? Well, right, that's why I'm not a non-millennialist, because I can't, <laughs> I can't figure out a coherent answer to that question. Uh, yeah, that's the whole thing. We believe that God really does pour out sanctions in time and history. Now, maybe not on a one-for-one -one basis. Yeah. You know, I'm not stubbing my toe for every every single <laughs> bad thought that went through my head or something like that. But overall, looking at the covenant people of God, uh, throughout a, a general view of history, you're going to see God pouring out sanctions, either rewarding the good or punishing the evil. Okay, so under this section, though, so Gus doesn't ever seem to get rewarded. Uh, but I kind of like the fact that Sean 
spends a lot of time at the end of the series really kind of having to deal with the consequences of his deception, mm-hmm. yeah. at, at least in the case of Jules. He never does get in civil trouble, which I imagine he could have been in a lot of trouble, but but I kind of like that they didn't just breeze over the fact that, no, this is serious. You've been lying to this woman for years and years while you're trying to make her fall in love with you and, and everything else. Uh-huh. So I kind of like that that was hard for them to get over, and uh-huh. <laughs> that wasn't an easy thing. So there was some punishment involved there. And what was the thought then in terms of the future, and how are these characters going to move on after this? And what I want to ask specifically is, do you think it's possible after the show psych, you think it's possible that Sean would just kind of go straight in terms of just being a run-of-the-mill private detective where he doesn't have the psychic act, but he's just a detective for hire. What do you think about that? Uh, Well, I mean, that seems like a tough one for me because he did like the work, you know, and he was really pretty pretty passionate and obviously really good at it and stuff, but I think that part of what he really liked was the, like, the big act, (laughs) you know, that it was kind of a show, too. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know how much appeal there would be for him, or if by that point he's matured enough that he's, like, able to do it without, uh, without the psychic thing, so I, I don't know. Right, so you're kind of thinking that maybe the whole the whole fiction of it was as important as the actual crime solving and stuff or it, I think I think it might be hard if he was going to try to do it at the beginning for him to you know realize that he didn't get to act all crazy all the time if he was going to not be a psychic yeah but but like in the beginning, when he first says that he is a psychic, he only says it as, like, a desperate thing to get out of trouble, you know? Like, he wasn't married to the psychic idea when it came to him. But I feel like maybe at the end, he he is more, you know? <laughs> right, but it's become part of his identity by that point. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, any, any other thoughts? Any, any final... How about you, Mom? Um, for the question that you had previously, you know, I think Sean is just a real flamboyant character. Yeah. And uh, even if he was to continue doing that, you know, I think he, he would just make a production of it. I don't know if he'd <laughs> have to be like, I'm a psychic, but I still think that he would, part of it was just the playful yeah. playfulness and the fun he could have with, you know, kind of, psyching people out just by saying right. oh well let me tell you about yourself and right. and anybody could do that if they were just really paying attention and so um you know like he was talking to the guy that was there for the intervention oh <laughs> and yeah he's yeah. like oh well you don't think i'm a psychic well let me tell you a couple things about <laughs> right. yourself and just you're colorblind because your socks don't match and you know just all this stuff then the guy's like wow you really are fantastic <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you know i think part of that is just his personality that he he's got a, an ability and a talent and so he enjoys using that and if he can use that to his advantage 
for whatever advantage, if it's solving a case, if it's pulling something over on somebody else, then, you know, he's going to, he's going to use that. But what's your, what's your overall then, overall take on the series psych? Well, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. <laughs> That's part of the fun. I think, yeah, I think the fun for me is that they've got Sean and Gus growing up together in the eighties and then the, the bulk of the show then is just peppered with ridiculous eighties references and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's probably a lot more fun if you live through the eighties to then, to then hear all their references and, and, uh, it is just ridiculous and, and it's a lot just for, just for fun and it's a good time, but it is, it is kind of, it is kind of preaching a worldview though. And, yeah. Uh, well, that's important to to recognize because in all the programming that's out there, there is a message that's being sent out, and sometimes you just don't want to to discern it or look at it and say anything other. Oh, you know, this is just something that's lighthearted, and I don't really need to pay attention to it. But there's always some message running through there, and sometimes they'll throw in. You know, maybe something about lesbians or gay yeah, people, right, right. And, and oh, you know, yeah, that was there, but it wasn't. Or evolution yeah. in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, you've got right. these little light-hearted nothing shows that still kind of slip some things in and try to float it along the top, and right. And those things are still, you know, running through your mind, and you, and you just start to think, oh yeah, well yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> right, it becomes a nothing. Yeah, and. Uh, you know the Bible says we are supposed to be careful of what we hear, mm-hmm. and uh, and pay attention to that. And I got in a conversation with a guy about our podcast that we do here this last week, and he was kind of questioning some of the choices of the things that we decide to review. And his uh, his concern was that we weren't reviewing really serious things, and uh, and. Uh, what you just said is kind of part of my point is that if you think of something serious, like for instance, uh, the movie Atlas Shrugged, which, you know, comes from the Ayn Rand novel, the classic libertarian philosophical Mm -hmm. fictionalized novelized explanation of libertarian philosophy. Uh, the movie came out and, did absolutely nothing to the culture, you know. Mm-hmm. But a, stu- a silly, stupid show like Will and Grace ran for how many seasons? Yeah. And uh, and serious-minded people just kind of rolled their eyes at it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, you don't think it affected the culture? Yeah. And uh, yeah. you don't think it pumped ideas into the into the popular mindset? And, uh, well, just what's normal. And this is acceptable. Sure. That's not a bad person. Or the fact that there for a long time it seemed like you couldn't have a movie or a TV show about anything without that didn't feature <laughs> a really sympathetic gay character. Mm-hmm. And it was the sort of thing, if you were watching it, you know, you'd, you'd maybe grit your teeth until that character was off screen and not involved anymore or something like that or... Or they weren't talking about his or her sexuality or something, yeah. and, and you just kind of grit your teeth and bear it until it until that bit of it was over. But 
you know, the culture's watching all of that, and it's all being pumped out there. And mm -hmm. So my point was that it's the popular stuff that we need to be reviewing. It's the stuff that you don't think has a worldview, or yeah. it's the stuff that you don't suspect of preaching with the sake of trying, or with the intention of changing the culture. That's the dangerous stuff, you know, that's the stuff you really got to pay attention to. Because like you said, everything, every show is going to preach some kind of worldview, whether it does it with great intention or with an mm -hmm. agenda, doesn't matter because every, every story is going to be an expression of the person, person that writes it. Mm -hmm. And their worldview. Yeah. And so... I just think it's important to review all that. Now, that said, we've got a more serious thing that we're going to look at next week. We're going to review the movie The Imitation Game with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. He uh, stars in this movie as... Was he a codebreaker or was he just a mathematician? But... Uh. Yeah, he was like a math guy. He, he yeah. invented the computer is what he did. <laughs> okay. And so uh, a guy who probably should be more famous than he is, but he helped crack the famous uh, Enigma code that the Nazis were using during World War II. It was kind of thought to be an uncrackable code, and mm -hmm. he figured it out. And... Uh, and happened to also be a homosexual and and uh and so the movie features both of those aspects of his life and, and uh i think it's a fascinating movie it's it's fun to watch and, but it's serious and and kind of preaches serious things and so it's the imitation game for next week all right mom you got anything left to say I don't think so. Well, I do, <laughs> oh, as no. a matter of fact. Well, do you have anything more to say? <laughs> I do, and I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Actually, I like the fact that Sean went around the rules of the police in order to get things done. <laughs> because maybe the police are bad sometimes? <laughs> right, and... uh and frankly, it irritates me. Why not? If Sean is great at, at coming up with clues and, and uh, figuring stuff out, why should he be barred from uh, investigating things and stuff like that? Just because he doesn't have a license from the government to do these things? If some, right. if some private citizen comes and pays him to investigate then he should be allowed to investigate. The government has no interest in, in keeping him away from that. If the family of the victim or something like that wants to pay him to investigate the crime in parallel with the police, you know, why does he need a special license for that? It's ridiculous. It's, uh, it's like how the government says, you can't, you, can't, you can't make money cutting people's hair unless you get a license from the government. Or you can't, you can't even fish to feed your family without getting a license from the government. And you can't do this and you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through the government to get a permit to do things that 
come on, you know, and uh, inalienable rights, huh? <laughs> it, right. It, it really, it's. They talk about the devil being in the details, and I'm suggesting that the tyranny that we live with is is present in these little details, mm-hmm. and it's stuff that we've just learned to live with, and we've been. Well, they're We've normal. been trained that this yeah. is just the way it is. You have to go get a license to do this or a government cert- certification to do this other thing. Yeah. And uh, good for Sean. You know, <laughs> he, he just found a way to make money doing what he was good at. Now, he's a bad guy, like I said. I, he's got a lot of he's issues. He's got issues. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if he was ever hired by a family to do stuff. I think he was hired. Been hired privately. Yeah, he was hired by private citizens all the time. But for the most part, he worked for the police department, and that's who paid him for solving. Well, I don't know if it's for the most part, really, because a lot of times he'll get hired by like somebody private, and then that'll turn into a police investigation. Oh, yeah. There were a few of those I can think of, but for most of the. Most of the ones, I think he was trying to get the case from the police department and solve it. Yeah. And they didn't want to give it to him. They didn't want to share information with him and stuff. Yeah. And that's when I was like, good, go get it. Get it done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the anti-government side of me was happy to see that in this last episode that we just watched. I think uh, the police were being... Obstructionist, just because he wasn't their approved guy and stuff like that. So I was happy for that. Frankly, I don't think. Well, y'all know I've told you all all the time. That should really be all that police are about. If we're going to have police at all, it should just be about investigating crimes after they've been committed. You know, and and if that's all they're going to be, then why can't it be privatized? Yeah. And uh, so I'm happy anytime it shows the, (laughs) oh, you know, and and that's what it, that's another thing that made me think parallels to Sherlock Holmes because those stories also, they always showed the Scotland Yard guys as being kind of bumbling idiots and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Sherlock's always showing them up and, and, uh, and most of the problems that Sherlock got were from members of his own family and. And you find a, and kind of find those parallels in, in the psych story. Yeah. Right. So that was cool. All right. Well, that was good information. Oh, good. You like that final insight? Final insights. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we've done about all the damage we can do, I think. So uh, we'll call it quits. So imitation game next week. Will you be available to... Do this with us, Jordan. Uh, I don't know. Classes will be starting next week. <laughs> hey, you gotta prioritize your life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So, uh, well, let's say goodbye. Say goodbye, Jordan. Goodbye. Mama, say goodbye. Goodbye, Jordan. <laughs> goodbye, Mama. <laughs> all right and as always we want to just keep encouraging you to think in terms of worldview think in terms of uh, creativity and learning to apply the word of god and the biblical covenant to all areas of life including entertainment 
and how we amuse ourselves and uh, do it all for the glory of God. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, find us on Facebook under Worldview Media Podcast and, and uh, interact with us. It's great to hear from you guys. And so we'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.